This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. Speaking to you from the Melon Law Studio. Melon Law, of course, is a full-service legal firm, and they will not back down, nor will the University of Florida, with whom they are the unofficial partner. CPSS.net, Crime Prevention, protecting us 24-7, 365. And of course, check out our mugshots and all our sponsors, and thank you to the donors. Um, we are going to once again remind you, and I see the increasingly we have more followers. Um, YouTube dumped us, so we dumped YouTube. You know, turnabout's fair play. I'm tired of their uh, games, and uh, we went to Rumble, and we are now, of course, uh, posting that which is streamed over to Rumble live right now back to the wardscottfiles.com website. Uh, so that's the way that works. And, of course, we're live here on Facebook and on, on all the other audio platforms that you might uh, be aware of. So the thing for you to do, if you would, please, and I'm watching the tally of this, go to rumble.com, uh, search for Wardscott Files. If you do one word, Wardscott Files, it seems to come up more quickly than if you do the space, Ward space, Scott space files, although both will get you there. And when I come up, uh, follow, be a follower, and that way we'll get uh, quicker hits and uh, more presence on Rumble, which we're just beginning to build up. Uh, this is the whole story in and of itself, which we've been covering quite a bit on the Word Scott Files, that there is all sorts of um, um, foul play, if you will, going on out there, uh, dirty tactics, but it's always the dirty tacticians who are guilty of the dirty tactics. So uh, we haven't really done anything wrong other than, according to YouTube, violate their community standards, which basically is doing the question of the election. Because there is, after all, in this country, a battle over the narrative. You know, as a professor of English and as a writer and all that, I never thought I'd live to see the day when really fiction became not just that which you find on the shelves of the library, but it becomes that which you get as a news source. That which you get as an information source is fiction. Trust me, it is fiction if you're getting it from one of the big media or tech platforms. You've got to go to people like the Ward Scott Files. You've got to go to the Epoch Times and places like that, uh, Breitbart and places to get a different view of what's going on. This whole fiction writing of what America is about was deliberately and intentionally started by Obama, who actually hired a failed novelist, as I understand, and I'll get Ted's confirmation on this, in a moment, to sit in a room below the Oval Office and spew out the narrative that Obama wanted to control the country by. That has taken real seed, and now it's become a big tree, and it's the place from which all knowledge comes, and it's not true. So 
please help us, uh, support us, donate to us, uh, go out to the Rumble, go out to these platforms and understand that quite often you're being hoodwinked. Have I got that right, Ted? <laughs> got Ted Yoho here with me. Have I got that story right, yeah, Ted? You've got that, you've got that right. And uh, there's so much of that. And, you know, it goes back to uh, Nazi Germany when Joseph Goebbels, you know, tell a story long, long enough and it becomes reality. And that's what they've done. And, uh, you know, the whole thing, as you brought up with the Obama campaign, was how bad America was. I remember him saying that America is not a Judeo-Christian country. You know, it had all faiths, but it was founded on those Judeo-Christian principles. But he's built that narrative, and he's gone on to other things. And I was talking to somebody. I'm up here in D.C. right now in the backyard of an old brownstone. And they were saying that they had never heard that word used, uh, systemic racism, um, until about a year, year and a half ago. In fact, Bill Maher even said that. Uh, somebody sent me a clip, and he was saying, I've never heard that word until about a year ago. And uh, it's a narrative the left is painting to put out there. And uh, you and I talked about, you know, I was going to launch on uh, Parlor Social a podcast, uh, how deceptive the left is and how just evil. And uh, it turned out to be a bait and switch. And it was a left wing uh, organization that pretended to be Parlor Social so that they could paint out a, a, a false narrative on conservative Republicans. You know, and people won't believe it unless they hear it from somebody like us who has experienced it. I tell people about this community standard right. violation, and they don't know what I'm talking about. They just, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. Uh, no, we're not kidding. We're serious about this. And this is the problem with the news. Uh, they get things from the news. They don't know enough to know that it's not the news. It's... Uh, it's it's uh, go back to that story and you being a veterinarian, um, I think Ted's still with me. Um, the uh, uh, let me see if he's still with me. He's in the backyard of a brownstone. Okay. You there? Okay, it, it came back. Okay, I'm telling the story of my friend who was a butcher. Uh, I think I may have shared this with you already, uh, Ted. He was a butcher and he used to say that when the lady came in and looked at the steak and the and then the window there and had a little green spot on it. And asked why was that steak have a little green spot on it? He knew that the lady didn't know the right answer, or she wouldn't have asked the question. But he was free to say whatever he wanted to say about why it had a green spot. And so he would say, "So my old lady, that 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 that, that cow just ate a lot of a lot of grass, and a lot of green grass, a lot of green grass." So that's the news. That's the news. If you don't know enough, they know as soon they know you don't know that you don't know, and uh, yeah. That, that is really Mark, amazing. Mark Twain had a great quote on that. He said, for those that read the news or the newspaper, they're misinformed. No, they're on, for those that don't read the news, they're uninformed. For those that read the newspaper, they're misinformed. <laughs> and I thought well, I, that was back in the 1800s. And I think that's so true today. So what's going on in D.C.? Let's have a little update there. Ben, you've been back there. Little too. update. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody I talk to just talks about the toxic nature up here and uh, the spending bills that are going on. You know, this last spending bill with the CR 
was just a ridiculous bill because it puts a lot of stuff in there. Instead of a CR as a continuing resolution, basically a rubber stamp of the previous uh, spending. But what they and they have to have that to keep the government open. Uh, and we can talk about that on another program. Uh, I think it's time that we make some major reforms. But they put this stuff in there that has really nothing to do with keeping the government open. It has stuff in there going in there for clean energy and all this stuff that was already funded in the trillions of dollars in their other spending bill. And uh, that's a game that has never stopped. And you're talking about those false narratives. Um, it's like uh, the press secretary for uh, Biden, you know, having the, the nerve to go out there and tell us the border is secure. It's better off than it's ever been. That's a false narrative. That is not true. It's not factual. And so they do these silly things to keep us distracted. And in the meantime, our spending is going out of control. And I got a helicopter flying over. I hope that's not too loud. No, no, can't hear it. No problem. But, you know, they, they tell these stories and they keep it on maybe more social issues or the borders open or not. The border's not open and they they distract us. And yet these bad things that our country are um, going through um, continue to go on. An example, when I was up at Liberty University last week speaking, Governor ex-Governor Blevins from uh, Kentucky spoke, and he got very passionate about this country's debt to the point where he says, this country is getting ready to fail financially and there's no way coming back. And if we lose the dollar as a world reserve, this country's over. I mean, it'll collapse. And And he just... He went on to talk about how how plausible that is happening, um, you know, in a fairly short time. Well, you know, if we get this pretty simple, if you get too many dollars floating around uh, that are not worth anything, then you have to have more dollars float around to try to make up for the fact they're not worth anything. And I'm always reminded of the view of Germany in the turmoil. Yeah of a guy taking a wheelbarrow load of money to get a loaf of bread, you know? Right. And, you know, you and I They're... both know from the, from the rural society, you know, we've got very few people providing the food for everybody else. This thing out in California, which I'm sure you're aware of, uh, the crating of pigs, you know, uh, that the Supreme Court is going to take up. Are you familiar with that, Ted? Yeah. In fact, Steve King and I are going to write an editorial on that. I'm, I'm real familiar with that. Well, let me steal your thunder and get your thoughts on it right now. Then I talked about it yesterday, and uh, you know, can you can you spill the beans a little bit for us? What you got on your mind? Yeah, I can. You know, modern agriculture, modern animal husbandry has been built up over the last 150 years, so we get better and better and better. And if you're a farmer and you know you raise cattle. You want to give the best care you can to your animal, number one, because it's the right thing to do. Number two, it's more profitable because you have healthier animals. And so California does not like the way pigs are being raised. And this is an issue that's been going on uh, when I was practicing veterinary medicine. So this goes back 10, 15, 20 years ago with the animal rights group pushing these agendas. So California is saying they are not going to produce or buy or allow to be sold in their state pork that are produced in these confined crates. And I've, I've worked on those animals in those crates, and it's nothing like what California is saying. So California is pushing that agenda on the Pork Institute to change how pigs are raised throughout the country. 
And if it's not raised to California standards, they can't sell into California. And so our op-ed is going to say, stop selling to California, because California did this uh, uh, on the laying hens, the chickens where our eggs come from. They put in their restrictions that a cage had to be so big, and it just disrupted the whole uh, poultry industry, and it drove the cost up. So our op-ed is going to say for the pork industry to just belly up and say, we're not going to change how we've been doing things for the last 100 years. We have the best interest of the animal in mind. And, you know, let California and the citizens of California feel the brunt of those crazy policies, just like they are. There's no gas vehicles going to be sold in California uh, after 2035. Let the rest of the nation continue. Let California do those policies. And I'll guarantee you, uh, they'll change those policies or change those, more importantly, they'll change those politicians in California that gets more like in alignment of the country instead of the country have to getting into alignment with California. You know, and it's also preposterous that the hubris of those people, i.e. in form of Newsom, thinks he can come down here and tell um, Florida what to do. And, yeah. you know, it's... Um, it's not even comparable, but we know what he's doing. He's trying to line up yeah. a, a confrontation with who could be a presidential candidate from Florida, and he thinks he could be from California. So already, right. it's not really about the real nitty-gritty of the states, the economy and the cost of living and all that. It's about, oh, what a terrible governor and person and, you know, insensitive and all that. So once again, it's a personal attack. And I see more and more of that in politics than ever before. And they're the ones, ironically, who are doing the personal attacking who are complaining about the personal attacking. But they've turned it all into yeah. identity politics. Oh, they're great at doing that. I mean, that's their modus operandi. They, they, they'll they sit there and accuse you of something that they're doing, and then they put all the pressure on, on the other person. Um, you know, it's just the way they've done things ever since I've been up here and even before, but it's on steroids now. Let me ask you something since you've been around there, and this is an article in the Wall Street Journal, that uh, Biden's marijuana pardon won't release a single inmate. Uh, this is in the journal today. Uh, it was um, uh, the author by Jason Riley, who is very, very bright, as you know, um, African-American fellow who is able to say things many times that so-called whites couldn't say because they can't criticize him, Right. And so he really lays out some very strong uh, uh, arguments here. And I always had, I really enjoyed reading him, um, that, you know, in federal prison, Riley says there's no one in federal prison for simple marijuana possession. Um, 90% are housed uh, in the state prisons. And that there's a relatively small percentage uh, of them of there on drug offenses. They're almost all convicted of big trafficking or uh, some kind of huge enterprise that has uh, involved violence and, and that sort of thing. It's just not being caught with a joint and going to the jug. That's not it. But yet that's what's being presented. And I'm sure you agree that this is more political posturing by Biden to try to curry votes from the lawless criminal, uh, criminal Democrat party. Uh, I didn't exaggerate. I do say that meaningfully. No. Um, 
I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And look at the timing. Um, the timing is you've got a, an election in less than a month, um, you know, that's going to dictate what the next Congress is going to be. And so what he's doing, and it's unfortunate because he's taking people that are in a, a tough situation and he's using uh, something like uh, we're going to release all these people. And uh, the truth will be after the election. Is he carried through with something like that? And, you know, I think, again, it's a political ploy. He, he knows he's behind in the polls. And, uh, you know, as Obama said, he, they should get a shellac. And, and if they don't, the election system's messed up. <laughs> well, Bernadine <laughs> Riley writes that the so-called racial disparities in prison populations would barely budge if all per people serving time for drug crimes were immediately released. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's that's not how how <laughs> they play the race card once again. It's it's an yeah. amazing, and you alluded to it a moment ago. I'd like to come back, circle back if I could, and see if you can uh, uh, convert, uh, talk a little bit more about that systemic racism. You know, um, sure. I went back and and uh, and looked at some of the comments in the past about politics uh, not very long ago, and we don't have any phrase like that. Where did it come from? It, it, again, if, if you listen to the Democrats, and it's nationally, it'll be on the left-wing news shows, um, they have marching orders. I don't know who orchestrates it, but they're very or well orchestrated. And um, when that word comes out, everybody's using it like it's been around forever. And um, I remember back in Obama was there or maybe Bush, there was a word that came out on the news, gravitas, you know, which means a, a serious action. You know, it's something very important, needs a, a heavy weighted decision. And gravitas was used. That word was used throughout all the left-wing media, and it's like, I've never heard this word before. So when you get back to systemic racism, I can tell you where I first heard it. It was uh, my last year in Congress. Um, it was after um, my spat, my uh, my situation <laughs> <laughs> with that former member from New York. Yeah. And Steny Hoyer that day said, America is ripe with systemic racism. And I did like you did, I'm like, I've not heard that before. And that's when I heard it. So that was two years ago when I heard that word. But now they throw it into the mainstream and you take the uninformed, uneducated, and they're like, well, yeah, America's systemic racist. That's why I can't get ahead. And then the left's there saying we're going to do these things. And that's why you need to join our party. And if you go back to Biden says, if you don't vote for me, you know, when he was talking to that um, uh, African-American crowd, you ain't black. I mean, you know, they just get away with they have a different standard. Um, the Democrats, their politicians, their their messaging. And if I were to try that, the Gainesville Sun would have tore me up. They tore me up anyways. Um, <laughs> the Gainesville Bulletin. I mean, the Gainesville Bulletin. Um, the sunset, the Gainesville Sunset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. In the Gainesville but, Sunset. They get a word, they hang on to it, and I'm sure they do focus groups and, and, and get people to say, yeah, that inflames people. And so they use that because they like to keep people on edge because they feel like, somebody put it very succinctly, they said, the Democrats' goal is to give you what you want to keep you where you're at. 
The Republicans <laughs> want you to be empowered. The Democrats don't want you to be empowered. And, you know, it's funny is China does not want their citizens to be empowered. They want the Communist Party to be the wherewithal for everything China. And you, your goal is to serve the party. And our government is their role is to protect our rights. And uh, it's just a, a back, backward system. Well, you know, you, as, as everybody pretty much knows, were very much involved in our Asian policies when you were in Congress. And I think since the last time we talked, um, the North Korean gentleman has lobbed a couple of missiles over Japan. Um, yep. What do you make of that, Ted? Uh, lack of leadership in America. You know, when Trump was there, and it was interesting, when I was in uh, uh, Vietnam, we met with several dignitaries, and I just came back from that African summit with ex-presidents of Africa. All the leaders that I talked to, they missed Donald Trump. You know, they didn't care for the antics, but they cared for what he stood for. He stood for strength or peace through strength and uh, walk softly, carry a big stick. He didn't walk softly sometimes, but he carried a big stick. But he had respect in the world with people like Kim Jong-un, uh, things like that. And if you go back, once um, President Trump put pressure on North Korea, Kim Jong-un stopped firing those missiles, and it's been quiet uh, until this administration, until about a month and a half, two months ago, when uh, he started lobbying those over Japan again. And, you know, the end result of that is it just causes more tension and uncertainty in the world. And when you have that, you get into a very precarious situation because if a Putin feels more threatened um, by North Korea doing that, he's more likely to do something ir more irrational than what he's already done. You know, I want to uh, go back what you just said. I doubt this will ever make the papers. I know the Gainesville Sunset will never talk about it, that you met with the leader, African leaders. Let me, can you talk about that some more? Yeah. Um, uh, Dave Brad, former congressman of mine, he's the dean of the economic, uh, of the school of business up at Liberty University, which has over 133,000 students. And uh, he puts on a, an African summit where CEOs from all over the world come. There were over 600 CEOs and uh, President John Mohama from, uh, from uh, Ghana. He, he was their president two terms ago. He was there speaking. Uh, the uh, cabinet, several of the cabinet uh, ministers were there from the DRC. And then Kenya, Ethiopia, and all these other countries are represented. And it was all on business development. And it was interesting, too, because one of the ex-presidents was talking about U.S. aid, you know, our foreign aid assistance, you know, for development. And he said, when the Americans come and offer an aid package, they have all these checkbox that we have to meet, which is all right. He goes, but when the Republicans are there, it's not so much on the social issues. When the Democrats are there, you know, it's equity, it's gender, it's all this stuff, LGBT. They have all these checks. And he goes. It gets so complicated and burdensome that when the Chinese and Russians come, they said, here's your money. And he <laughs> says, so, I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean to laugh. And he goes, we really don't want to do business with them. We'd rather do it with you, but you make it too difficult. And, um, you know, that's something I've heard all along. And so we really need to change our foreign policy strategy. Uh, if you don't have good, strong foreign policy, you don't have good economic policies, definitely don't have good trade policies. 
And if you don't have those things, you don't have strong national security. You know, um, that's that's a great, you know, I don't think anybody would ever have heard those comments except here on the Ward Scott Files because I haven't read it anywhere. I haven't, uh, 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 it makes perfect sense. And here's what immediately I think of. Not only are we doing it to African economic development, we're doing it to our own economic development. We're doing it to yeah. our own educational development. I just covered intensely in the last couple of days the browbeating that the Sase, how do you say his name? Sase? Um, yeah, Sasse. Huh? Ben Sass. Sass, yeah. He, you know, he's a candidate, as you know, here for the president of the university. And he has been viciously really confronted. They've crashed the doors. They've come in. They've shouted. They've held up placards. And it, it spoiled children. They want LGBTQ. They want this. They want that. Nothing about running that institution financially. Nothing about the stewardship it takes. Why would you have a presidential candidate from the Democrat aisle with all those things you just alluded to, who would have to do business with a red state, a, a, led, a Florida legislature Republican, a governor that's Republican, um, all the people who are coming to the state of Florida because it's so hospitable economically. Uh, why in your right mind would you put one of those representatives in the face of the people who, who take care of the university system? Yeah, and I think you brought up a really good point there because that really shows you the underlying personality traits of the liberal elites in Gainesville, Florida. They are some of the most liberal people I've ever run across. I mean, and, and just rude, uh, after the election, when Trump won, we had adults in our office crying and saying that Trump was going to do all these terrible things. He's going to get us in war. He's going to ruin the economy. Um, he was a racist and all this. I mean, these were university professors that came into my office in Gainesville. Um, you can ask uh, Representative Kamek. They um, pushed Jessica Norfleet. I shouldn't say her name, but they pushed Jessica. They, they scratched Kat's car. They're in there yelling. They had pictures of uh, Donald Trump. No, me. I think it was, I forget who it was, bent over kissing Trump's rear end. Uh, and these are university professors. They are swearing at our, our staff in there. And I'm like, wait a minute. These are supposed to be the highly educated people, uh, tolerant people, but they are anything but. And I remember flying into Gainesville when I was a representative. I would have people come up and cuss me in, in Gainesville. Never had it anywhere else. And it was like, it's a good example of the, 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 the elite people in Gainesville that live in this little bubble. And I think somebody like Sass, if he's got the, the backbone, and he's kind of a moderate Republican, but if he's got the backbone to stand up to these people, I think we need a course correction at education in Florida, but all of our major universities. You know, and that's the thing. He, he is a moderate. The, the, the pick is he's not, quote unquote, you know, a, a radical Republican. He is a moderate Republican, which makes him, you would think, compatible with the rational professors at the institution. At the same time, he can, you know, it's kind of like uh, the, the plantation days uh, when, uh, you know, your, your, most, your most important person there uh, was the guy who 
managed the field and could, oh, I've forgotten the name of the, uh, the, the, the managed, remember the name, I'll come to it in a minute. Um, managed the field and then also managed the, the ownership. So he could go the back and forth. Pardon the me? Foreman. Wasn't a foreman. It was, I'll come up with it to break it. You know, I've slept since then. But um, uh, this this guy was the most important person because he go back back and forth between the two. And I'll give you a little story, a personal story about my relationship with faculty and administration. I was a Senate president of Santa Fe College for four years, four straight terms. And reason we had a Senate, you'll like this story, uh, I think, Ted, reason we had a Senate in the first place is a faculty wanted a, a faculty Senate, which all Senates in this country are, with the exception of Santa Fe, and I think there's one other one in the nation. All the rest of them are faculty Senates, which they have faculty leaders and only faculty members. Well, Mr. Ra Alan Robertson, a good guy, was the president then, and he said reluctantly, well, I'll, I'll let you have a Senate, but I want administrators in it too. And he knew by putting administrators in the Senate, he would counterweight the faculty. And so, this right. thing, it, 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 you know, so it developed, and I became the president. And I instantly realized, Ted, the administration and the faculty are like the, the Palestinians and the Israelis. They can't stand each other. <laughs> and I had, to, I had to go back and forth. I had to go back and forth, Ted, to get him to agree. And when I when I constructed the Senate committees, I make sure I made sure they were balanced. They were the same number of faculty as there were administrators, and I had to, that was the hand I was dealt with the structure. You were trying Senate. to get equity. You were trying to get equity, so so it was inclusive. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was trying to get equity, so it was inclusive. But you were ahead of your time, man. <laughs> but it, it was really a balancing act, and yeah. I, I managed to satisfy them both and get them to talk to each other. Because you see, the faculty resents the administrators because they think that they get more money. Right. And, and the administrators resent the faculty because they think they got tenure and they can't get, get rid of them. They can loaf and they don't, they don't like each other. So this is a faculty assault on the presidential candidate. It's not an administrative assault. You follow me? Right, right. You follow how it works? So they're afraid yeah. that this guy is going to do what to them? They've got tenure. They've already got the liberal agenda all over the university. What's he going to do? Hopefully, yeah. he's going to get them money to run their programs. It's what they got to do. Yeah, it is funny. That is that's that's my one point. of the things. That tenure system is something. I'm glad that Governor DeSantis is looking at that. And of course, you know how that tenure system works. It can be a good thing for the the professor, and it can be something that's abused. It can be abused. I've seen it abused. Uh, yeah. It's very difficult to do something about it. Uh, most of the people actually don't really think about it much. They just do their job and and they're like they're they, they enjoy having it. But they if they're good professors, they don't even think about it. But there are right. bad apples in every organization. There sure are. Of, they'll take advantage of it. And I've even seen them have another job on the campus in their office while they were the professor. Are you with me? I mean, and, and I'll tell you who the number one violators were. It was the psychology professors. I mean, they ran a business, <laughs> not all of them, but quite a couple of them ran a full-blown yeah. business out of their academic office. You know? Wow. Oh, yeah. my golly. Yeah, double dipping there. 
I was involved with all that. As a Senate president, I was involved with every aspect of that college, every single aspect of it. And I'll tell you who I studied in the beginning before we take a break. I went and studied Lyndon Johnson. Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. He ran that Senate, buddy. Uh, And I went back to see. Yeah. He, and that's why Kennedy needed him. You know, that guy was powerful and he knew how to arm twist. He knew how to um, bait and switch. He knew how to, uh, you know, he, he ran it. And uh, so I read the book about him. I didn't necessarily want to do things the way he did it, but by golly, you know, you go to Johnson, he could get it done. And uh, well, see, that's what's lacking in the Republican Party. There is no leadership. There is no strong leadership. And we can talk 